Come on. Welcome to Money Savage, a savage approach to personal finance. This is George Grumbacher, and the time is right. Welcome to today's guest, the strong and powerful Kirk Chisholm. Kirk, are you ready to do this? I sure am, George. Happy to be on your show. Excellent. Let's do this. Kirk is a principal and wealth manager at Innovative Advisory Group. He brings a rare expertise with alternative investments held in self-directed IRAs. He's been recognized as a top financial advisor by Investopedia, Investment News, and is a frequent contributor to many to many media outlets. I'm excited to have you on. Kirk, tell us a little bit about your personal life, some more about your work, and why you do what you do. Yeah, thanks, George. Um, yeah, actually, I, I got started in this industry uh, out of college. It was uh, I started when I was in college. It was the late '90s, and of course, the financial industry was quite exciting to everybody, even the people who knew nothing about it. Um, so I got interested back then, and uh, of course, my first month in the in the uh, in the industry was December of '99. So I completely missed out on all the fun. <laughs> um, and really, uh, you know, since then, really got a, a good whiff of risk management because the next three years were, were challenging. But it actually gave me a good appreciation for, for the important things of, of how to manage portfolios from a risk perspective. But really, um, you know, one thing that really drives me and what I do is, is making people's lives better, which in many cases is not necessarily just uh, investing money, but it's other things that are important to them as well. Got it. Perfect. So we're going to talk a lot about alternative investments and self-directed IRAs, which some people may be really familiar with and some people maybe just a little bit. Um, but why the focus on that? Yeah, so it's, it's an interesting question. So we, um, back in 2006, um, I really wanted to start investing outside of the stock market. We were getting a little... I guess, hesitant about where things were going. And um, I was really looking for ways to invest uh, in other places than stocks, bonds, and mutual funds. And it was challenging because a lot of the regulatory requirements had some strong restrictions on us. So my business partner and I, um, in 2008, actually started our current firm to focus on uh, alternative assets held inside of retirement accounts. So things like uh, real estate, horses, physical gold, cryptocurrencies, um, you know, private company stock, you name it. I mean, there's, there's tax liens, there's a whole bunch of things that people can invest in. And, you know, in 2008, we were concerned that, you know, the market had dropped. We were concerned that it actually wasn't going to come back for a long time. So we were looking for alternatives that, made sense, things that people can touch and feel like real estate or things that people know well, like private company stock, maybe a company they're working in, um, or whatever it might be. It's really the old Peter Lynch adage of invest in what you know. So really, that was kind of the, the major focus of what started us down this path. And we really, um, I think we're one of the few wealth management firms that actually specialize in this area. It's just not well known. I'd say maybe less than 5%, right around 5% uh, of IRA uh, holders actually invest outside of the market into alternatives. 
And I'd say less than 10% of them actually even aware that this is an option. So it's really exciting for us because we get to see a lot of different, uh, a lot of variety for, of investments and some really interesting investment strategies that we probably would not have come upon otherwise. Well, I definitely believe that. And I, I wouldn't have been surprised if you had said 1%. So, <laughs> um, and that's, I think that there's so few financial advisors that are out there that, that really have a good appreciation for self-directed IRAs and that actively work with a lot of alternative investments. So I think that we're going to have a great conversation. So if you would break down the difference between a traditional IRA and a self-directed IRA. So it's interesting. Most people think there's actually a difference and, and there isn't. Um, the If you look at the Internal Revenue Code, there's no such thing as a self-directed IRA. Um, which is interesting because a lot of people call it that. Uh, a lot of the big firm, the, the big firms you probably heard of, as well as even some of the smaller custodians. But actually, all IRAs are self-directed. You know, by by statute, they're all self-directed. You can do whatever you want with them. The term really applies to accounts. Um, there are different custodians, so you could look at your major. Uh, discount brokers like Fidelity or TD Ameritrade or Schwab or what have you, and um, more or less, they they kind of restrict you to stocks, bonds, and mutual funds and other securities. Right. Uh, they they do allow you to maybe invest outside of that, but they're not specialists in those other areas. You know, if you look at a self-directed IRA custodian, they really specialize in alternative assets, and if you're investing in those, those are really where you should look. But the, the self-directed IRA's term is really meant to characterize an IRA that can hold alternatives, um, even though there is no definition that's kind of more jargon than anything else. Got it. Interesting. So in the tax code, it says they're all the same, but it does not mean that you're going to be able to open up an IRA with, I'll just use a, a record keeper with American funds, or rather a custodian American funds, and you'll be able to buy gold. It just all depends on where your IRA is actually being held. Correct. So even though you can invest in, let's say, a piece of rental property in your IRA, it doesn't mean that the custodian has to allow you to. So um, I can't speak for American funds, but presumably they're not going to allow you to invest in rental property inside of an IRA held there. Um, and, you know, from a business standpoint, I can understand why would you want to allow something you're not a specialist at or good at? It's not, it's not like buying a stock where you can just press a button and it's in your account. If you're buying rental property, you have, you know, uh, per, you have the PNS, the offer. You've got uh, insurance payments. You've got a whole bunch of things that you have to do, all within the context of the, the IRA. So it's it's not as simple and straightforward as uh, just say, you know, purchasing a security. But at the same point, um, you know, it is something that a lot of people do that that are in those areas. Okay. All right, so we got that definition to a degree or explanation done. Um, tell me a little bit about alternative investments. So alternative investments is another, um, I guess, kind of I'll call it a meaningless term. It's it's really uh, there's really no definition for alternatives. So uh, many years ago, 
in the early 2000s, the term alternative investments was used to characterize uh, hedge funds or private equity funds or venture capital or, or things of that nature. Um, I mean, for the most part, most hedge funds just invest in securities. So the difference between a hedge fund and a mutual fund uh, can be large, but some cases it's not, but you're investing in the same things. Um, if you're looking at, um, the, a lot now the term, because since the, the great recession in 2008, uh, a lot of people were looking for alternatives. So a lot of funds call themselves alternative funds when they're doing virtually the same things. So nowadays we would call those, uh, liquid alts or alternatives that are more or less investing in securities. I would characterize alternatives differently. I look at alternatives as any non-security or um, any investment that's not traded on an exchange. And that could be anything. You know, it could be uh, real estate, gold, cryptocurrencies, uh, private company stock, tax liens, private mortgages, horses. Uh, I mean, you name it. Uh, we've seen lots of different things, really interesting investments, but Really, anything outside of the securities realm, I would consider alternatives or true alternatives, is kind of what we call them. Got it. Well, there are some fascinating ones that you listed. I, I think we'd probably do an entire show on horses and how people invest <laughs> in there. Um, but probably the most common, I, I live in Phoenix, and people have been very interested for off and on here for the last probably 20 years in um, in investing in real estate in their IRA, and I would have to imagine you probably are having a ton of conversations right now around cryptocurrency and potentially gold inside of IRAs more so than you maybe ever have. Um, <clears throat> so where where can people go to open up an IRA that would allow them to buy alternatives like those? Yeah, so when you're – really what you need is a custodian. So – Every IRA has to be held at a qualified custodian. So whether it's a TD Fidelity or Schwab or whether it's uh, the 47 other uh, self-directed IRA custodians and administrators that specialize in alternative assets. Um, you know, we have a list on our website which has a list of all the qualified custodians and we've done research on e each one of them. So it has a pretty detailed list there for people to check out. But it's... Um, yeah, each one of them is different, and it really comes down to whichever the best one is going to be dependent upon what they're actually investing in. So if you're investing in a horse versus real estate versus cryptocurrencies, you're going to have very different opinions about where that should be based on their fees, on their service, on whether they'll actually hold it. Uh, like, for instance, cryptocurrencies, a number of custodians won't actually hold them because it's a really new asset for most people. Right. And it's so new that the IRS is still coming out with rules and clarifications and things like that. So it's, you know, it's kind of one of those spaces you have to be careful and really work with knowledgeable people to make sure you're not getting yourself into trouble. Because there are quite a few mistakes that people make and, you know, we... Uh, we, we caution people to, to do your research before you do it, but um, but there are another a number of companies out there that can uh, that can actually hold those assets. Okay, well, great. It sounds like 
anytime somebody's all, all already done the research on your behalf, that's a valuable thing. So we'll give out your website here in a bit, um, but you'll be able to find that resource on there. You mentioned some of the uh, the common mistakes or pitfalls that people make. Let's talk a little bit about that, if you would. Yeah. So a lot of the common mistakes that people make, you know, if you're if you're investing in a um, if you're investing in a self-directed IRA with, with you know alternatives, one of the mistakes people make is they assume that they're going to take the money out of their IRA and use that to invest in in the real estate. We'll, we'll use real estate as an example. It is by far the most common asset that people hold there. Um, and if you're looking for um, if you're really doing it, it has to be done inside of the IRA. So it, it makes it more complex, but it's, it's necessary. Um, another one, which we come across really frequently, um, is disqualified persons. So there are, you can do business with just about anybody, but with an IRA, you can't do business with yourself. You can't do business with your father, mother, grandfather, grandmother, uh, or, or your kids, grandkids. So a lineal, lineal family. Uh, you could do business with your brother or sister. That's actually an exception. Um, but there, you know, those people you can, or else you actually get yourself into uh, into a good amount of trouble, which is not really <laughs> not really a good idea. Because um, when that happens, it actually uh, causes prohibited transaction, which means you could end up taking a distribution of your entire IRA, which I don't think anybody wants to do. So those are those are some of the bigger ones. Got it. And I have to imagine that that most people don't think about that or, or, or consider that. And if, if we could run through a quick scenario, um, if if I wanted to use my IRA to buy a rental property, I would need or the IRA itself, if there was fifty thousand dollars in the IRA, any expenses associated with that rental property, any insurances, any property taxes, all need to be paid by the IRA. Is is that correct? Yeah, you actually raise a great point. So, um, with a re- piece of rental property, and this actually gets people a lot of people confused. Is within a rental property, all the expenses for the rental property have to come out of the IRA. And all the income has to go back into the IRA. So you have to treat the IRA like it's a totally separate person. It's not you. You can't. You can't. Um, you can't use your own money out of your pocket to pay for the leaky roof. Uh, you can't. Uh, you can't actually go fix the leaky roof yourself. I know a lot of real estate investors will be very sad to hear that. Uh, you can't do the work yourself. You, you can. You can hire somebody to do it. You just can't do it yourself. Um, so yeah, all of the expenses and income have to go in and out of the IRA. And another key point that actually messes up a lot of real estate investors is um, that they don't have enough in their IRA. So let's say you have hundred thousand in your IRA and you're buying a property for let's say ninety five, all in. So you got five thousand left in your, your IRA, but then the roof leaks. So you need to p- replace the roof for ten thousand. Well, you don't have enough money in your IRA to cover that. Well, you can't pull it out of your pocket, so it means you have to go out and get a loan, which brings up a whole other host of issues. But, um, but yeah, you have to make sure that you have enough in your IRA to c- cover any sort of capital expenditures or unplanned ones that may come up 
with that property because that is essential that it is coming out of the IRA and not your pocket. What a minefield. <laughs> just, <laughs> just being candid about it. I mean, man, that seems like you can screw that up in a million different ways. So you do need to be super careful and cross all the T's and dot all the I's if you are considering uh, particularly in, in, in that example. I would imagine it's probably a little bit easier with buying something like a precious metal like gold or even down the road a cryptocurrency. But I guess there's probably a million details with that as well. Yeah, I mean each one of the each one of the assets is different. Some assets are simpler than others. I mean buying gold is complex because I mean if you think about it, you have to buy the gold from somewhere. The gold has to be stored somewhere. You can't store it in your house despite the fact that a company actually advertises that you can do this, you can't. Uh, there was an article in the Wall Street Journal, a really good one, um, I think it was last year, that kind of outed this company that was advertising you could do this. So you have to find a place to store it, which means you have to find a, a depository. Um, you know, and these are different pieces of the puzzle you have to, to have to use to, to make sure that your investments are safe. I mean, cryptocurrencies, we, we've started to do a lot of that because, um, you know, it's such a new a new area. But... It's the same same kind of thing. You know, you have to go find a wallet. You have to go find uh, an exchange. I mean, there's just different pieces to the puzzle you have to really work around. But, um, you know, for the right person, it makes a lot of sense. As I said, the real estate is by far the most common, uh, commonly held asset inside of self-directed IRAs because it's just what everybody knows. Um, you know, the second most common, I think, is privately held stock. But... Uh, but real estate's by far the most because everyone knows about real estate and it's really easy to find, you know, your neighborhood. Um, and you know, it's relative, even though it's relatively complex, uh, it's also something that people understand and, and it's something we can, we can generally help people work around cause it's not, uh, it's not too dissimilar from doing it, uh, the normal way outside of an IRA. It's just, there's some nuances that have to be a have to be adhered to to make sure that you're compliant got it well kirk savage nation is ready for your difference making tip what do you have for them well i'd say that the probably the most important thing that and this applies to any investor is invest in what you know and i mean we see a lot of people who come to us who have this really cool idea that they heard uh, coincidentally enough on a podcast, uh, not, not, not this one, but I've heard some really interesting, uh, stories, let's say, or I'll call them advertisements on certain podcasts, uh, where we get these calls and it's like, I know immediately that this is not, not a good idea. Um, but it's, you know, we, we hear a lot of harebrained stories and uh, no one, they haven't done their due diligence They've not, um, they've not researched it at all. They just heard a good story and they want to put their life savings in it. And doing proper due diligence is probably one of the most important thing any investor can do. And we just don't see enough of it from, you know, from investors that come to us and we end up doing that for them. Uh, and it's, it's something that, you know, we do well, but I think that obviously we don't work with everybody out there and, I just see it way too much that people end up losing money, not because, you know, not because they're not intelligent. It's just because they haven't done due diligence or they don't know how to do it properly. 
So, you know, as I mentioned earlier, I mean, Peter Lynch's quote of invest in what you know, it's really important because not only are you investing in an area that you're an expert in, but you know the nuances, you know the risks, you know how to do things right, where the where the trouble spots are, whereas an uninformed investor wouldn't know that just through experience. So we've seen the most successful investments we've seen have been through people who are investing in areas that they're experts in, whether it's real estate or horses. I would never advise anybody invest in a horse, but you know we have investors that specialize in that area and they do very well. So it's just, I think it's very important to adhere to that that principle and if you do you'll end up doing well no matter what you're investing in well that is great stuff that definitely gets it come on come on so thank kirk thank you so much for coming on where can savage nation learn more about you sure yeah so you can find me in all the social media channels are easy to find um our website is www.innovativewealth.com and actually have a, a free uh free gift for your listeners it's the the top 75 uh alternative investments awesome. uh, that i think people would uh, get a kick out of and um you can find that at innovativewealth.com uh backslash uh money savage perfect we will certainly list that in the notes of the show we 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 appreciate it well, Savage Nation, if you enjoyed this as much as I did, show Kirk your appreciation and share today's show with a friend who also appreciates good ideas. Find him on social media. Find him at InnovativeWealth.com. Thank you again, Kirk. Thanks for having me on. And until next time, keep fighting the good fight because we are all in this together. What's up, Savage Nation? Please support the show by subscribing. Leave us a review. And definitely feel free to share us with somebody you think would like it. Come on.